Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Now on SportsCenter at 6. Tom Brady wore gloves to practice today and to his press conference. What are Brady and Bill Belichick saying about his injured throwing hand? It's the biggest matchup of championship weekend. Rob Gronkowski versus Jalen Ramsey. Uh, he has a great corner like me before. Plus, an NBA All-Star has been made available for trades. Will a top contender get a lot better? The details from Adrian Wojnarowski. Might have to pass that and move on to the next one. Here's Michael Smith and Jamel Hill. All right, a short week leading into Championship Sunday. I'll take that every time. Uh, welcome to your Friday edition of The Six. So let's get started with the biggest story heading into Championship Sunday. No need to delay. The hell is up with Tom Brady's finger? Not talking about it. Thumbs up or thumbs down for Sunday? We'll see. Uh, I'm not talking about that. Oh, did you practice today? I was out there. For the whole practice? Yeah. I was practice. It was fun. Do you have to be at the top of your game on Sunday to beat this team? Absolutely. You know, it's the best team we faced all year. Tom, how confident are, are you that you will be playing on Sunday? We'll see. Does it worry you at all that you miss a practice when you have to be at the top of your game to play this game? Yeah, I'd always rather practice. I mean, I, I, yeah, absolutely. Are you confident you'll be at the top of your game on Sunday physically capable? We'll see. Tom, why are you wearing gloves at the press conference? I've worn them before. When you're, when you're managing an injury, is it more of a functionality of holding, gripping, throwing, or is it pain management whenever you've dealt with injury in the past? Uh, they're all different. It's football. Um, what exactly happened on Wednesday? collision that you have with the team. I'm not talking about it. Yeah. Is that it? Is there anything you can share about the next couple of days what will determine the status between now and kickoff? I have no idea. <laughs> Tom, why are you wearing gloves inside? She already asked that. Tom, you've been a high-five guy in the past. Is it safe to say that you're going to be a fist pump guy for the rest of the weekend? <laughs> We'll see. Have you played in a game and more pain than you're in right now? I've played in a lot of games with pain, so. Have you ever thrown the ball with gloves? Have you ever played a game in gloves? Oh, it's been a long time. You said in the past that you He said two questions. See ya. Thank you. A masterpiece of minimalism. Uh, Mike Reese joins us live from Foxborough. Mike, uh, you've been through a lot of, or been to rather, a lot of Tom Brady's press conferences. What made this one so different? Well, Jamel, you just heard it. I mean, the main difference in the vibe was that his answers were so short. And here's maybe the reason why. The last 48 hours for Tom Brady have obviously been a roller coaster of sorts, uh, a reminder to him about the fragile nature of this game. And I want to relay an additional piece of information that I learned today about what the scene was like at the time of the injury. Uh, someone at the practice relayed to me that there was a loud yell on the practice field that led to a lot of people that were at the practice to sort of snap their heads 
and look in the direction of Brady. And at that point, there was a lot of concern as to what was going down with Brady uh, in what was described to me as a collision with a teammate. Now, after the test that he went uh, underwent after practice, that concern has subsided. I'm told the hand should be okay. There is a possibility it could affect him slightly in Sunday's AFC Championship game, but Brady is continuing on with the belief that he will be able to perform his duties as a starting quarterback on Sunday. CSI Fingergate continues. Um, look, you, you mentioned the word believe there. When Brady was asked about his availability and whether or not he played, he, say, he said we'll see uh, when asked about Sunday. What's the level of doubt at this moment that he can play in the game, let alone be effective, as you just kind of alluded to? Yeah, Jamel, no doubt from Brady, uh, from the coaches, the people close to that situation. But I would say if you ask some people at the practice that heard that yell I mentioned before, uh, they had doubt just because that yell surprised them so much at the time. Uh, but as the, the time has passed, about 48 hours now, no doubt there. And maybe Danny Amendola said it best. I walked out of the locker room with him today and I said, uh, do you have any doubt about Tom Brady? And his answer was... It's Tom Brady in the playoffs. He lives for one thing, and this is it. So no doubt from one of his closest friends, Danny Amendola, about his availability for this game. All right, we appreciate it, Mike. Thank you so much for your report. Darren Woodson. Shoot him up. Okay, why do I feel like that when this is all said and done? We're going to find out it was a paper cut. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, I mean, this is why I hate football teams and football organizations yeah. because they, they are so good at – trying to mask something that's so simple that probably isn't that big of a deal. It probably or, isn't. or am I just, you know, no, kind of buying I, I that think, this is the I Patriots this just is, being coy? This is the norm for the Patriots, for right. sure, because they're going to be coy about this whole entire situation. But it's sort of the norm for every NFL football team. I, I've been injured in a week, on a Wednesday or a Thursday or whatever it is, and they sat me out for the next couple of days. And then on Sunday morning, I'm getting that shot. I go out there and I play at a high level and we move on. The concern for me is this. Tom Brady is a guy who is a, a, a freak of nature. He's a guy who's, who, who wants to keep everything the same way every single time. So to miss a Thursday practice, that's huge because that's third downs. That's uh, pass protection. That's talking to your, your offensive line. That's talking to your running back to say, hey, we need to pass protect this certain way. On Fridays, it's red zone. And when you do red zone, you usually install different plays that may be effective in the game. So, for him to miss Thursday and Friday, or I don't know if he missed today, but I know he's missing Thursday's practice, that is huge. That's saying there's something actually, absolutely right uh, wrong with that hand. All right, when it comes to missing practice, the Steelers know a lot about that. Meanwhile, <laughs> yeah. more fallout from the Steelers falling short of the AFC title game. A source confirmed to ESPN that Le'Veon Bell was late to the Saturday walkthrough before the divisional round loss to Jacksonville. Pittsburgh Post-Gazette reported that Bell missed all but about five minutes of the session and showed up later than Coach Mike Tomlin's mandated arrival time of two hours before the game for his players. Your reaction, Woody? That's a shame. It's a flat-out shame that, you know, Le'Veon Bell, as great as he is, and he's, you know, I've, I've said it a million times, he's he, he's the guy that I enjoy to watch the most on Sundays because of what he can do, the versatility of what he brings to the table. But to, for him to talk about his contract a couple of days before the game and then have a tweet before the game promising a win or whatnot, uh, it, it's just a, a, a complete distraction to this organization. And then to find out these, if this is correct, to find out this is, you know, part of it, your window of opportunity to win in this league and win at a high level is, is minute. It's small. It's extremely, that window closes extremely fast. And for this team to not take advantage of those situations. Last year he was banged up. 
Martavis Bryant was was out because of suspension. This team has had so many opportunities to 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 be in this type of moment right now in, in the AFC Championship game, but they continue to shoot themselves in the foot. And I think it's an embarrassment to the organization. I think the yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers should be embarrassed by what's coming out right it's now. It's definitely more organizational. It may not have affected him in the game. Yeah. He certainly is used to performing without practice, but it's what it represents. Yeah, no, what it represents, actually, absolutely. But you know what? Listen, yeah. we're talking about Roethlisberger a year ago, talking about retiring. We're talking about Antonio Bryant, uh, Brown last year recording something, uh, you know, in, in Mike Tomlin in, in the locker room. There's so many things that are backwards about this organization right now that never used to be. This team used to be a blue-collar football team, never heard anything about them, somewhat like the New England Patriots. All that said, He's still getting paid. (laughs) Oh, he's still getting his money. He's still getting his money from somewhere, one way or the other. All right, following the life comes at you fast. A year ago at this time, Kimba Walker was enjoying finally being selected as an all-star selection. That's a little redundant. Sorry about that. Uh, Now he may be in his final days as a member of the Hornets, as sources tell ESPN that Charlotte has made Walker available in trade discussions. I mean, I've seen it. You know, this is the first time I've... You know, really been in this kind of situation, but you know what can I do? You know, I'm I'm, I'm still here, and you know I'm I've been here for the last seven years, and you know I'm going to do what I got to do to help my team win games. Someone quoted you. I don't know the circumstances. Is saying you would feel devastated if they traded you. Is that accurate? How you? Feel? Uh, I mean, of course, I'd be pretty upset, but uh, like I said, man, you know I'm I'm here right now, and. You know, you know, I put my heart and soul into this team and into this city. So that's what I'm going to do, you know, until everything is over. All right, well, this is your story. What's the market for Kemba Walker? The market for Walker is significant if it's only Kemba Walker. And one of the things that Charlotte has done uh, in their conversations around the NBA is to gauge if Walker could help them unload any one of the several bad contracts they have on the books. Nick Batum, four years, $100 million. Dwight Howard, two years, nearly $50 million. Could that be the sweetener to incentivize another team um, to start cleaning up these books? If they just did a straight Kemba Walker deal at his $12 million a year salary, which is, you know, really he's one of the best bargains in the league, an all-star point guard at that uh, at that salary, uh, there's tremendous interest in him. But it was a monumental decision for Charlotte to pick up the phone uh, and start putting his name into discussions because he truly is their franchise player, the face of that franchise, one of the most popular players in recent uh, team history. All right. Meanwhile, what are you hearing about the value of the Brooklyn Nets unprotected first round pick that the Cavs currently own? Well, to Cleveland, it's what mattered most in the Kyrie Irving trade, more than Isaiah Thomas, more than Jay Crowder. They still hold it in great value. It's their, uh, you know, for them, with the uncertainty surrounding LeBron James's future, they're not using that pick in a trade unless it brings them a star-quality player. If Paul George became available on the market, and there's no indication he will, that is a player that Cleveland would use that pick for to try to you know, to be a difference maker to win now and help convince LeBron to stay longer. Uh, but also, if they could get a really good young player uh, who's maybe on his rookie contract, there are very few of those guys who become available. Uh, for the most part, that Cleveland-Brooklyn pick is still generally off limits in trade talks, especially without a commitment from LeBron James to resign this summer. Woj, definitely off limits. Not available for trade. <laughs> ESPN's franchise player. Thank you, man. 
Pro sports fans haven't had to wait as long as the Vikings, but it has been a while and few and far between when it comes to championships. The Phillies took the title back in 08, winning the World Series, but you got to go back to 83 and fold, fold, fold for the Sixers, but trust the process, another one's coming. Broad Street Bullies last won the Cup in 75, and Concrete Charlie and the Eagles won the NFL championship in 1960. No, the Eagles have never won a Super Bowl. All right, South Powell, what's the mood among the Eagles less than 48 hours away from the NFC Championship? Michael, I would say confident and in a comfort zone. Let's just talk about the head coach and the quarterback. I asked Doug Peterson what he told Nick Foles today prior to this weekend and getting ready in the last 48 hours. He said, I told him, just go be Nick. And I had a one-on-one conversation with Nick Foles at his locker. And I asked Nick Foles, what does that mean for you? Here was his answer. What that means is just go play. Like, don't don't think, just react. Like, he, he knows he's been around me. Um, things aren't always going to go perfect during the game. And my style of game is just staying even keel, going with the flow, and uh, just, you know, filling the game out, seeing what they do, reading, reacting, and then uh, when things break down, make something happen, play smart, but be aggressive. I was just talking to Zach Gertz, and he said, the second half against Atlanta really gave you and the offense a lot of confidence. How have you been able to manifest that self? through practice this week and get ready for this game? I think just, you know, the big thing was hitting that rhythm um, during the game and then just for us to feel that. When you feel that in the game, that's something special. But then to analyze that while watching the film and then take it into practice, you know, we're, we're able to see things that we're doing, different routes and just the relational thing. Like once you feel it, like you can just, you can grow from it, but you have to go out there on the game field and do it. And we're able to get that rhythm, but now we got to take it up a notch. Like that wasn't good enough. We got to keep improving. The Eagles practiced today at Lincoln Financial Field. Check this out. We went out to the field, and we noticed that there's new sod on the field. And we found out after doing some digging, no pun intended, that the sod was installed on Monday between the hashes, right down the middle of the field, goal line to goal line. Remember, you go back to Saturday night, Michael. The Falcons players, the Eagles players were slipping and sliding. We were, we heard the reports from Courtney Cronin up there in Minneapolis that the Vikings are going to be bringing different kinds of cleats for Saturday night's game. I looked at the field. Doug Peterson looked at the field. It looked pretty good. But, you know, bottom line is it's January. Listen, I got a vowel on the end of my name. I know a little bit about doing some horticulture and some yard work around it. I put some sod down. It's tough. In January, putting sod down and making sure it takes, that's got to be real tough. Come on, Sal. You make the big bucks. You can pay somebody to do that. But you're a real one. I appreciate you. Thank you, man. Uh, Coming up, the aforementioned Courtney Cronin has us covered on the condition of Vikings wideout Adam Thielen. All right, victim impact statements continue today in a Lansing courtroom during the sentencing hearing of former Team USA and Michigan State Gymnastics Dr. Larry Nasser. Nasser, who already faces a 60-year federal prison sentence for child pornography crimes, has been accused of sexual abuse by nearly 150 athletes, including former Olympic gold medalists Ali Raisman, Simone Biles, and Jordan Weaver. Approximately 120 women or their advocates are expected to give impact statements during his hearing. Here's Raisman giving her statement in court earlier today. It's very difficult. It's still difficult. I mean, today I'm 
I'm not comfortable sitting here and talking about it right now, but I want change. And it's not something that any of us are excited and happy to share about. It's not something we want to think about. Um, but USA Gymnastics is ignoring us. To me, it seemed like they... Um, threatened me to be quiet. You know, their biggest priority from the beginning and still today is their reputation, the medals they win and the money they make off of us. I don't think that they care. Um, if they cared, then the second they realized that I was abused, they would have reached out, asked if I needed therapy, asked if I was okay, asked what they could have done. And they would have, they would have, made a big change. Instead, they allowed Larry to continue to work on little girls in Michigan and molest gymnasts for a very long time. And that's just, I don't know how they sleep at night. That was Allie Raisman on OTL earlier. We'll play her sound from the court later on. Now, the other major development today from this story involved Michigan State President Luanna Simon after a closed-door meeting. Michigan State's Board of Trustees said in a statement that Simon will remain the university president despite the numerous calls for her firing or resignation, including by some state officials. Despite the board's statement of support, the perception is that Simon isn't being held accountable. The focus of the attention should be on the people who are telling their story and not on me or Michigan State. So this has been a distraction for over 20 years now, so that means absolutely nothing to us, just so you know. I appreciate that. And and, And I hear you, I heard your story, and we'll continue to hear your story. I would like to come listen to me. Believe it when I see it. When asked to be here for a survivor statement today, you stated that you are too busy to fit it in your schedule. Well, Luanna Simon, I can assure you, none of us had the time in our schedules for the past five to 20 years for Larry Nassar to abuse us, but we had no choice. All right. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Michigan State's Board of Trustees deciding to stick with Luanna Simon, who will remain the president. And uh, they also threw a full statement of support behind her as they continue an independent investigation. Uh, now, Dan Murphy, Dan Murphy, excuse me, who has been covering this story, uh, he joins us now live from Michigan State uh, from the East Lansing campus. Uh, Dan, why was Luanna Simon able to keep her job? Well, Jamel, I think there are probably a lot of people in East Lansing and beyond who are asking that question tonight. We tried to ask the trustees the same thing, but they didn't want to provide answers today. They met for about five hours behind closed doors at this building here behind me. Um, There are a few, I'm told, people on the board who aren't sure about Simon's long-term future as the president of the university. But as for Friday, they decided to stand behind her with a vote of confidence. Through this terrible situation, the university has been perceived as tone-deaf, unresponsive and insensitive to the victims. We understand the public's faith has been shaken. The board has listened and heard the victims. Today, the board acted and asked the Attorney General's office to review the facts in this matter. And as information is presented, the board will act. This can never happen again. As part of the board's oversight authority, We will retain independent external assistance to support our responsibilities to the university community and the public at large. We continue to believe that President Simon is the right leader for the university, and she has our support. Thank you. Shortly after Breslin finished making that statement, news news of MSU's decision reached the courtroom 20 minutes away where these women were speaking throughout the day. And I've been told after speaking to a few survivors that to characterize their reaction as angry would be an understatement. I spoke to Rachel Den Hollander a few hours ago on the telephone. 
She told me that she was discouraged and disappointed by the decision. I'm going to read a quote from her now. She said, no one at Michigan State has listened since 1997, and still no one is listening. It leaves me concerned for that campus and for little girls everywhere. If they are unwilling to listen, this isn't going to change. Jamel? All right. Thank you, Dan. Uh, I mentioned earlier that Allie Raisman spoke in court, gave her victim impact uh, statement today. Here's uh, that statement right now. I am here to face you, Larry, so you can see I've regained my strength, that I'm no longer a victim, I'm a survivor. I am no longer that little girl you met in Australia where you first began grooming and manipulating. As for your letter yesterday, you are pathetic to think that anyone would have any sympathy for you. You think this is hard for you? Imagine how all of us feel. Imagine feeling like you have no power and no voice. Well, you know what, Larry? I have both power and voice, and I am only beginning to just use them. You already know you're going away to a place where you won't be able to hurt anybody ever again. But I am here to tell you that I will not rest until every last trace of your influence on this sport has been destroyed like the cancer it is. Each new day seems to bring a new survivor. We have no idea just how much damage you caused, Larry, and we have no idea how deep these problems go. Now is the time to acknowledge that the very person who sits here before us now, who perpetrated the worst epidemic of sexual abuse in the history of sports, who is going to be locked up for a long, long time. This monster was also the architect of policies and procedures that are supposed to protect athletes from sexual abuse for both USA Gymnastics and the USOC. Abusers, your time is up. The survivors are here, standing tall, and we are not going anywhere. Okay, the Larry Nasser sentencing continues next week as more victim impact statements will be made. The week that was and is for Tom Brady started with injuring his right hand in Wednesday's practice after a teammate ran into him on a handoff listed as a limited practice participant. On Thursday, Brady warmed up wearing gloves, but did not practice. Listed as a limited participant again today and questionable for Sunday's game. The first time he's carried that injury designation, which technically is 50-50, into a playoff game. Bill Belichick questioned about his quarterback status and answered about how you'd expect. Does his status complicate the game planning process for you at this point? I don't know. Looking back on the season, do you have any regrets about trading away Jimmy Garoppolo? Getting ready for Jacksonville. It's looking like Tom might be a game-time decision. Today's Friday. Di, was that you that asked the Garoppolo question? Respect. <laughs> yes, that, that's me. Okay. Uh, yeah, the stare I got that came along with that, Michael, yeah. it lasted about 10 to 15 seconds. And it was a mix between, well, my thought process was, well, he didn't say no, right? And the other thought was he was twitching a little. And I was like, I think this guy's putting a spell on me. He's trying to turn me into like a cat or something. He was just Because uh, I don't me. think he was too happy with. No, he, yeah, just, he was just testing, testing me. It's a rite of passage. Uh, meanwhile, how would you classify, yeah. though, in all seriousness, uh, the level of concern within the team regarding Brady's hand? 
Yeah, right after Tom Brady stepped off the podium, he went right inside the locker room, and we went right in there following him. And, you know, you saw all his teammates. They all looked happy. They were joyful. It's Friday around here in Foxborough. And when you spoke to the players specifically about their confidence going into this Sunday's game, if Tom Brady is actually going to start, they all pretty much give you the same answer. And it's Tom Brady's not missing a playoff game. It doesn't matter what's going on there underneath that glove. He is getting out there. And I was able to talk to a few sources with the team about why he's actually wearing the glove. Because we know it's not because it's cold out. Because it's not that bad here in Foxborough. It's certainly been much colder here. And uh, a source told me that the reason why he's wearing that glove is reasons for grip. Because underneath it is the injury. And apparently this is helping him with his accuracy. And he is expected to wear it on Sunday. Despite the fact in the past he says he doesn't like wearing those gloves. All right, Diet. Thank you for that. And uh, Jamel says hi. She misses you. Uh, Tom Brady's faced three teams in his playoff career that finished in the top two in scoring defense, as did the Jags this season. And the Patriots have won all three, averaging 31 points. Hey, Mike, you've heard me say this before. Uh, I'm a firm believer that self-awareness is the best awareness. A one-point win over the Lily Magic, which broke a four-game losing streak by the Cavs, wasn't exactly something to celebrate. Cavs, I have something to say there, but I'm... But... <laughs> Cavs almost snatched defeat from the Jaws of victory after blowing a 23-point lead earlier in the game. And LeBron, he wasn't in the mood to sugarcoat things. He called his performance garbage. Definitely not garbage, is my man Jalen Rose, who is coming through looking casket clean as always. Now, after the game, uh, Ty Lue said that the offense needs to get Kevin Love more post-touches, especially when they go into lulls. Is that going to solve everything that's wrong with the Cavs offensively? Jamel, I think it will. Here's what has happened to the Cavs roster. When you have an iconic superstar in LeBron James that can dribble, pass, and shoot, score big-time numbers, and make the players around him better, you can now surround the rest of your roster with specialists, J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, Tristan Thompson, players that don't necessarily create for themselves. They need somebody else to create for them. Kevin Love is actually that player that can create a level of balance. He can score on the block. We know he can shoot the three. He's going to get you double-digit rebounds. Oh, and by the way, he's their second All-Star. And when the pecking order took place when Kyrie was there, he was third in line to eat. Now he should be second in line. I think this level of balance also will help slow down the game some for a team that can't really get stops when they need to. All right. Now, the other big story in the association today, especially as trade deadline looms, is that the Hornets are open to trading Kimba Walker. Is it already time for the Hornets to hit the reset button and start the rebuilding process? Not with him. You don't get better trading your best players. It just does not work like that. And don't tell David Jacoby this. I actually did some research for this topic. Kimball Walker is the sixth highest paid player on their team. Dwight Howard, Nicholas Batum, Marvin Williams, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, and Cody Zeller all make more money than he does, and he's their best player. And if they're looking to shake up their roster, it's because he's the only person that they're going to get value for because they weren't able to secure that value with these contracts that I just mentioned. Yeah, as always in the NBA, it never pays when you're just average or just okay, because then you're really not moving in either direction. Courtney Cronin, what's the latest with Adam Thielen, who's questionable with the back injury, and Andrew Sandeo, who remains in the concussion protocol? 
Michael Sandejo went through a full practice today. Despite being in the concussion protocol, Mike Zimmer said he's expected to go through more testing and play on Sunday, meaning he would come out of the protocol at some point within the next 48 hours. That means Sandejo, Mackenzie Alexander, and Adam Thielen, who has that lower back injury, go into the NFC Championship game listed as questionable. While rotational defensive tackle Shamar Stefan is the only Viking that has already been ruled out for Sunday. Okay, now how is Mike Zimmer going about pushing all the right buttons as he prepares his team to seize this major moment? Well, when asked about the mood of his team headed into this weekend, Zimmer wouldn't read too much into the way his players seem to be because sometimes everything feels great and then it ends up going south. There is one thing, though, the Vikings coach is emphasizing with his team to do what they've done all year long and not make the NFC Championship bigger than it is. I just want them to play like we played for 17 weeks, play the same, uh, do what they've been doing for all this for this whole year, um, <clears throat> playing together as a team, fighting. They're just playing football. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not they're going to run the ball, they're going to pass the ball, they're going, you know, we're going to tackle the, we got the ball. You know, it's it's football at the end of the day. So um, everybody wants to make it a big deal because it is, rightfully so. But uh, we have to understand it's, it's just a game of football, and we've been doing it for a long time. It's been a long season. We've been pretty successful. So let's uh, continue to, to do what we've done to get to this point. One other news item from the day, Philadelphia practiced on a newly resided Lincoln Financial Field Friday after Eagles and Falcons players slipped on several patches of grass last Saturday night. Minnesota did not get a chance to work outdoors this week due to the condition of its practice field, but it's prepared for any adverse turf issues these players may encounter by overpacking when it comes to the type of shoes and cleat lengths available in Philadelphia. Michael? All right, Courtney, thank you for the latest. We appreciate it. All right, now let's look at the AFC side of things. New England started as nine-point favorites, then the line dropped to eight-and-a-half on Wednesday, and now seven-and-a-half. Check it. Uh, when the season started, the Jags had attracted the fewest bets to win the Super Bowl of any team, including the Browns and multiple Nevada sportsbooks. And when Cleveland was eliminated from the playoffs after week 12, still more bets on the Browns to win the Super Bowl than the Jags. Damn, the disrespect. <laughs> Here's uh, Jeff Darlington with more from the Jags. He's been making the same mistakes, same issues that he's had the last several years. It's incomplete. There are some boos here in the stadium. Well, and, and I get it. I kind of feel like he's maybe the 30th best quarterback in football. I'll tell you how you're not losing Jacksonville. Don't let Blake throw it. And they're not going to let him throw it. When the Jaguars jumped into training camp this year, the criticism directed toward Blake Bortles was not only rampant, it was also at times deserved. A five-interception practice and a bad preseason game against the Bucks was enough to even make the head coach wince. I'm not happy with the performance today. I'm not going to sit here and BS anyone. I mean, everyone saw it out there. Uh, whatever you want to call it, I'm still trying to evaluate who the best person is at that position. In the time since then, Bortles has faced an unusual amount of disparagement, not only from outside analysts, but from his peers within the league. Is Bortles improving? Trash. As long as Bortles back there, fit the ball game in his hand, he's going to choke. But there is one favorable opinion that has not wavered. And uh, people can tell him all they want to, but we know what he can do, and he proved it today. He's a dog. I want to know what Jarrell Casey has to say about him choking in big moments. While you sit at home and watch us next week. Beyond blind loyalty, why has Bortles' locker room remained so strongly behind him? You know, each and every day he comes in and works. You know, I think people respect that most. You know, even 
you know, the bad rap that he get. You know, he never threw anyone under the bus, you know, so guys respect that a lot. He handles distractions well. He just stays focused and, and just keeps playing ball, you know, and uh, as a teammate, you love to have a, a guy who's going to just, you know, just keep fighting no matter what happens, you know, the highs and the lows, and you know, he just stays you know, even kill and just keeps doing his thing. Caught in the back of the end zone. Touchdown, Jacksonville. Bortles' stoic tone in the face of adversity truly is consistent. He routinely dismisses criticism, not as uninformed noise, but as an occupational hazard. And he strikes a public tone that his teammates notice. You know, I don't care much, I guess, about what is said outside of our lot. You know, what I care about is in that locker room, and, and, and those are the opinions I care about. When other people say stuff or when it comes from anywhere, you know, it doesn't bother me. But to see, uh, you know, guys within that locker room stand up for me and say stuff um, it is pretty cool. We just got each other's backs. Nobody gets left behind. At the end of the day, we're all a team. We're all in this together. So um, we we just know we, we go as far as we go. So... You know, we're not going to let anybody disrespect our quarterback. We're a tight family, so we're just not going to go for that. All right, from the voice on our screen to right before us, Jeff Darlington joins us live from Jacksonville. And as you told us off air in the owner's suite, because that's how you roll right there. Uh, Now, as we know, Jalen Ramsey, he never lacks confidence. And I can't imagine that was any different when he spoke earlier today. Right, Jeff? Jamel, I've covered the past four games of this Jaguars team, and I am quickly falling in love with Jalen Ramsey. This guy is unbelievable when he talks. The confident, the swagger, and by the way, the talent, too. Ramsey did meet with the media on Friday, and again, not short on confidence. Uh, One thing that I was very interested in when he was discussing the Patriots is that they were throwing a lot of flattery his way. Ramsey made it very clear that he doesn't feel the need for it. I know for a minute they were trying to gas me up. They were trying to gas us up a little bit. Uh, you can't really gas somebody up who already gassed. I mean, that's what I do. Um, so that it didn't that didn't really matter to me. Um, and then that one kid who said something. I mean, I don't really know who he is. So it is what it is. If you did find yourself on Gronk, or if you came outside or something, why would you be a good matchup on him? What do you think would would give you an advantage if you think you have one? Uh, he hasn't played a corner like me before. All right, let's go ahead and break down what you just heard there. First of all, that kid that Ramsey was referring to, defensive tackle Adam Butler of the Patriots, who said Ramsey's confidence, he's going to be humble or be humbled. Ramsey didn't seem to care much about that. As for the Gronkowski potential matchup, Ramsey did say that he expects to be playing on the outside. He doesn't necessarily see that matchup often, but he was asked why he feels confident in that potential matchup. Was it his height, whether it, whether it's ability, whether it's his speed? He said everything, guys. So Jalen Ramsey shouting out that confidence. Well, as an extremely confident man, I'm sure you could relate. Thanks a lot, Jeffrey. Appreciate it. All right, now, Mike, you always say I'm a difficult person to shop for, right? Let me tell you what I want for Christmas. Is this. Ten-foot-wide bed. A bed? Is that the bed? <laughs> that belongs to Deion Waiters. I just want to know, why is he only on one side? If you have a that's bed that's ten-foot-wide. And my wife sleeps diagonally, so. Wow. So you just huddled up in the corner? Yeah, that's how y'all sleep, man. <laughs> y'all take up the whole bed. Y'all uh, Baker Mayfield would like to call... Miami home, apparently, according to a hashtag that he posted during uh, Kenny Stills' Instagram live video. Such intrepid reporters we have nowadays. I I don't, um, I'm amazed that they're able to find Twitter to walk back to those comments. So, look, oh. man, who doesn't want to be gotten yeah, to Miami? Yeah, you can't blame him for that. I mean, I'm sure he'd be happy with whoever drafted him, of course. Right? But you be worried if somebody was like, get me to Miami? Like, why you want to go to Miami, though? 
Because <laughs> the people who want to go probably shouldn't be probably there to begin with. All the wrong reasons. Okay, that's probably pretty fair to say. Yeah. I'm sure he doesn't care. Uh, all right, Celtics guard Jalen Brown was asked if he would watch the AFC showdown between the Jags and Pats. And let's just say his allegiances will not surprise you. Your cousin plays for the Jags. Uh, have you had a chance to like watch the season this year? And will you watch the game on Sunday? Absolutely. And I'm going to have my Jaguars jersey on when I do it. And uh, good luck to the Patriots. But I hope uh, my cousin picks off Brady three times and takes it to the house. See, he didn't even have to be politically correct with that. Got family. Who did they expect him to, to root for? So he shouldn't even wish good luck. He's just, he should have just said, look, I hope the Jag- Jags win. Yeah. In the story, right? He knows where his bread is buttered. Yeah, so. but they can't. Do they really expect him to? A little bit. Yeah, they do. They do. They do. They're like family. Doesn't matter. Do. Like, you better pick us. You gotta yeah. live there. He's better than me. All right, UNC students trying to recreate, buddy. <laughs> the elf shot. That's awesome. Yeah. I wonder, Pretty good. I wonder how long that took him, though. One take. No. One take. Mike, you're an athletic marvel. Can you do it? No. I can't. <laughs> you can't do that? No. Uh, Will Ferrell, what do you think? Did they nail it? See what he says. As a shot-for-shot remake, I'm going to say uh, double thumbs up. There it is. That's all the all the consensus you need. As long as that guy buys it, who cares, right? I've never attempted that. I'm not one for... Throwing snowballs anyway. Okay, so I, I think we both alluded to this yesterday when we did the drafting at All-Stars. Everybody remembers when Joel Embiid, your son, he took his shot against <laughs> at Rihanna and um, said, you know, she said to him, holla at me when you're All-Star. So here's his post-game reaction when our girl Roz asked if he tried to holler again. She denied me back then, so... Why go with her again? So, um, I have to pass that and move on to the next one. You got the mic. Anything you'd like to say? Um, just a process. <laughs> Ready to go. Down. My bag. All sideline reporters do not look alike. No. That is our girl, Kristen Ledlow. Um, first of all, I love the headlines acting as if one he ever kind of had a shot. They were like, oh, he he turns her down. Like, not he's not turning her down. Not she was never his. Or vice versa. Players understand. First of all, for the brand. if Rihanna called him, he, he'd eagerly pick up the phone. The brand. Sports <laughs> Center tonight uh, after Knicks Jazz, Stan Barrett, Michael E. Show you how the Eastern Conference's top guards did. Plus, what effect, if any, will Tom Brady's hand injury have on Sunday's game? And the keys to victory for both championship games. All right. Well, before we call it a day, Mike, Tell the people who had a good That's day. That's your first time saying that. I usually see you. I know. But see, since this was your idea, yeah. I got to give credit where it's due. Uh, former Cardinals coach Bruce Arians, he told ESPN on Friday that he'd like to go into broadcasting, mm-hmm. either on TV or radio, the next phase of his life. It's a way to stay connected to the game. Said he'd be interested in being the color, color analyst for Monday Night Football. That's above our pay grade. But I'm telling you, Bruce Arians in the booth. I love On it. television and media, he already threw out the whole Nick Saban to the Giants thing. He if got you watch face. All or Nothing on Amazon, you know. Right. Personality. You gotta keep the Kango though, if, if that ever happens. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>